Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're looking at the Berkshire UFO Incident. That's correct, the Berkshire UFO Incident. Now, the Labor Day 1969 UFO Incident took place on the night of September 1st, 1969, in Berkshire County, Massachusetts. There are over 250 individuals claimed to have witnessed a UFO as per the accounts from UFO park enthusiasts. Now the event has been characterized as a significantly historic and true event by the Great Barrington Historical Society and Massachusetts historians. However, local historians and journalists have expressed skepticism noting the absence of tangible records of any reports made to police or media at that time. It seems like you could have 250 people reported, or you could have 250,000 people reported, but no matter what, you're going to have non-believers. Regarding the terminology used to describe the incident, those directly involved, particularly those who said they had been pulled up into the UFO, dispute the characterization of it as an abduction. Now, they clarify that the term abduction has not been used to describe their encounters, distinguishing their experience from other notable UFO sightings in the United States. One notable account from the incident allegedly occurred in Sheffield near the Old Cover Bridge. Thomas Reed and his family reported seeing a disc-shaped object hovering in the air as they crossed the bridge. Reed described the craft as a white orb larger than a football field. Attempting to evade the UFO by driving down the covered bridge lane proved unsuccessful as the craft reportedly followed them. Reed claims the car was engulfed in light as they were drawn into the UFO. A subsequent polygraph test reportedly indicated Reed's truthfulness at 99.1%. I find that a little bit impressive. Another reported incident transpired at Lake Mansfield in Great Barrington involving Melanie Kirchdorfer and her family. A bright light enveloped their car as Melanie's father reversed into the parking lot, causing panic among the occupants. Despite pleas from Melanie, her father pursued the light. Melanie recalls levitating and finding herself on a ship where she was laid out. Witness Tom Warner corroborated seeing Melanie on the ship, describing a sense of fear on her face. Melanie, however, did not recall seeing him. She mentioned being in a room with other children who were subsequently disappeared and she woke up alone at the lake, having to walk home. Simultaneously, Tom remembered being laid down on his back at the other end of his family's property. In 2015, a park was established on the banks of the Housatonic River in Sheffield to commemorate Tom Reed's reported off-world incident. A 5,000-pound granite monument was initially placed in the park, later replaced in 2019 by a sign conferring a governor's citation to recognize the off-world incident on September 1st, 1969. The citation erroneously bore the signature of then-Governor Charlie Baker, attributed to a request made by Reed to the governor's staff. The records of the event are officially part of the Great Barrington, Massachusetts Historical Society's collection, marking its acknowledgement in Massachusetts history. Now, I tell you, it was important for some people to get this stuff just 
kind of documented at an official level, which is interesting because it makes sure the story keeps getting told. But it's funny to me how angry that made some people. It really got, uh, they really got, they really got put off by that, that the government was involved in recognizing this thing had even been reported. Now, before we get to this most recent article, I want to look at this here article that came out back in uh, July 2020, written by Raffaello Saracilio, I think it says. Uh, it's from 9news.com.au. I'll try to post these at the Buy Me Coffee website if I can get hooked up there, and also the ko-fi.com site. You can support the program at one of those places or on Spotify. I really appreciate it. I also encourage you to hit the like, follow, subscribe button. It doesn't cost anything and it helps. And lastly, I just want to say thanks to the people that not only supported the program, but I want to say thanks to the folks that leave all the really cool comments over there at Spotify. It's, it's nice to hear from people and it's nice to hear from people as we go on this journey together to try to come up with some sort of crowdsourced disclosure. Now this article here, of course, is about three and a half, four years old now, but it says, as a family, as a U.S. family were driving home on a still warm evening 50 years ago. They had no idea their lives were about to be changed forever. On September 1st, 1969, the Reed family claimed they had an encounter with an unidentified flying object as they took a shortcut home from the Sheffield Bridge in Massachusetts around 8.30 p.m. Tom Reed, who was nine at the time, still remembers what he saw in vivid detail. It's got a pretty good map here showing exactly where this thing was at. His mother, Nancy Reed, was driving, and his grandmother was in the passenger seat, he told 9news.com.au. Next to him was his younger brother, Matthew. The pair had been sharing lollies, lollipops. There was light coming through the bottom boards of the bridge, he said. As we left the bridge and came out the other side, we saw what looked like a self-contained sphere of white light. And as it rose up, maybe two stories, there were some rods of light. They fired several thin directional laser-like pulse of light from one side to the other. The light then retracted into it, and the sphere slowly moved around the line of trees going in the same direction we were. My brother then happened to notice a second round sphere off to the right of the car that looked like it was sitting under water. At that point, everything felt odd to us. It was almost like being pulled. It was almost like being underwater as the car slowed. You know the tapping sound you get from being in a pool, like the sound was stones tapping under the fender of the car. Mr. Reed said everything then became still and quiet, and that's when the family claims they saw it, a turtle-shaped disc hovering over the fields through their left. So maybe what they saw was some kind of a probe, you know, that was associated with this craft. It has an illustration of this uh, kind of turtle-shaped craft, kind of brown and gray and white, really cool looking. The three objects, the two spheres of light and the shell, made a triangle with the Reed's car bang in the middle of it. The car suddenly exploded with light, Mr. Reed said, almost like floodlights had been shown on it. He explained to 9news.com.au, everything was illuminated in glaring detail. A cacophony of noise erupted as crickets and frogs burst into frantic activity on the banks of the Housatonic River. That was the last thing Mr. Reed and his family remember for three hours. Bar vague visions of what resembled an airplane hangar, describing it as a large open area that was much larger than the craft was itself. When the family finally came to, Nancy Reed and her mother had mysteriously switched positions in the car. The car ignition was off and the lights were off, 
Mr. Reed said. This is just like we heard about happening out there in, was it Montana, South Dakota, with a family, you know, driving along the highway. Next thing you know, they're back in a car, but they're not in the right places. A community fractured and faith lost, it says. That night across Berkshire County, about 40 residents from multiple towns reported seeing a UFO, but instead of bringing the community together, it tore it apart. The sightings are the focus of an episode of Netflix's new series, Unsolved Mysteries, which details the encounters of Tommy Warner, Melanie Kirchdorfer, Jane Green, and the Reed family. Of course, this is from 2020. Mr. Reed told 9news.com AU he never felt like he belonged in the small town. The family came from New York City. Mr. Reed was the most vocal of the family after the encounter and claimed he had seen UFOs several times in Sheffield throughout the 1960s. The nine-year-old said he experienced rampant bullying for speaking about his experience. We could imagine 1969, this kid probably was tormented. Got a picture of the bridge here, pretty cool looking. His family was also harassed, and at one point, Mr. Reed said they were regularly followed by a white pickup truck. There were a lot of fights, he said. The cops had to eat in our diner to keep the pace. It divided the community. We went through a lot. There was a lot of struggles. The pain and hardship came from some of the locals. What I saw changed my life. I used to be an altar boy. I don't have my faith anymore. It's gone. You start to think, why are we here? And what all this means. Less than a year after the encounter, Mr. Reed's mother sold the family diner, the village on the green, and relocated the family to Great Barrington, Massachusetts. In February 2015, the Great Barrington Historical Society and Museum confirmed the Reed sighting and officially inducted the case into U.S. history. In doing so, Mr. Reed, who had set a polygraph and passed, was finally vindicated. And it has a little write-up here they did for him. Kind of interesting. A concrete monument was erected outside their bridge to commemorate their sighting. Mr. Reed now manages the Tom Reed UFO Monument Park. It's a feat he couldn't do without the support of sponsors, something he is extremely grateful for. Mr. Reed still doesn't know what his family saw that night, but he has his theories. Do I think there was an off-world presence that caused us to be, to be removed from the car? Absolutely, 100%, he said. I can tell you I saw something extraordinary, and we were surrounded. The spheres were certainly working in conjunction with the craft, and both of these spheres were over water. Do I think there was also a military or governmental aspect also involved? More than likely. At the end of the day, do aliens know how to shut our car off? However, Mr. Reed said he's open to the fact that there could be an environmental explanation. The magnesium that was mined for the atom bomb in World War II was mined three miles from our restaurant over in Connecticut, he said. There was also a lot of military. We also had command aerospace, the electric boat, which made the nuclear submarines for General Electric. You had some of the most polluted water in the entire country and the Housatonic River. It's so bad you can't eat fish out of it. There's toxic waste in that waterway. Who knows what happened? Well, that might be a little bit of normalcy bias there. It sounds like this guy did have an experience. And he doesn't want to call it an abduction. But it certainly was taken aboard at a spaceship, it sounds like. And it sounds like also uh, they weren't signing off on any releases. Now, here's a more recent article. We'll finish up with this. This is from December 15th, 2023. Uh, this is NEPM.org. That's New England Public Media.org. Revisiting an alleged alien sighting in a Western Mass as UFO talk spreads to Congress election. 
and it says this is by Caitlin Reardon. Has a picture of this uh, Tom Warner here. It says Tom Warner of Great Barrington, Massachusetts, claims he was taken at this spot in between his and his neighbor's yard. The conversation of extraterrestrial life has long had a spotlight in science fiction, movies, and music, but in recent months it's been bumped forward toward the front of political discussion. This summer, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was asked at a Republican presidential debate what he would do about sightings of unidentified flying objects. Huh, I get the UFO question, Christie replied to laughter. Come on, man. Yes, come on, man. UFOs are now actually called UAPs, Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, according to NASA, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, according to some dictionaries. Yeah, just whatever number, whatever name, whatever acronym they want to put on it. A summer congressional hearing saw testimony from U.S. from former U.S. intelligence officer David Grush, who claimed the government is possession of UAPs. Former Navy pilot Ryan Graves and Navy commander David Fravor also testified, both alleging they witnessed UAPs in action on multiple occasions. Although the debate over alien life may seem to have reached new heights this year, Western Massachusetts has had a connection to the matter for quite some time. The night of September 1st, 1969 was just like any other summer evening until it wasn't, according to Tom Warner of Great Barrington. Now 64 years old, Warner claims he was abducted by a large hovering oval object when he was 10. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this tells me that the reporting here is a little shoddy because these people have said re repeatedly that they do not think that they were abducted. They don't, they don't think of it as an abduction. I guess this is just kind of one of those invites on board a spaceship where you just go on board without being invited. But it's important. I mean, they're telling their story. And I really believe that the person writing this should take the time to respect how these people feel about it. They should respect how the experiencer feels about it. If the experiencer feels like it was an abduction, then it was an abduction for that person. If the experiencer feels like it was just this thing that happened and it was some sort of contact they made, then it should be described maybe then as a contact, but not as an abduction. It's important. Now it goes on and says... Warner said he was collaring and listening to music at his next-door neighbor's house when a voice spoke to him out of nowhere. You have to go home, he said, the voice told him. Warner followed the voice's order, he said, and ran outside. Something felt off. The September crickets, the katydids, all the sounds just vanished, he said, and that's what made me clue what's wrong. Warner felt as though he was sprinting to his house at full speed, but he claims he was actually running in place stuck inside a beam shooting out from the sky. Something told me, look over your shoulder. And boom, it's right there, he said. Right about this exact spot. About 40 feet long and 20 feet tall, Warner said the object was just parked in midair. And all of a sudden, my hands jerked back. And I was on a UFO, Warner said. Warner claims he was gone for several minutes, surrounded by children who were also terrified in mysterious craft. He said he remembers that a Yoda-like figure put a reassuring hand on his shoulder. This story became known as the Berkshire UFO sighting, and Warner shared his story in an episode of Netflix series Unsolved Mysteries. Along with multiple other witnesses from that night, they all shared similar descriptions of the object. Bright beams, saucer-shaped, eerily quiet, but faster than anything they've ever seen. 
Warner still lives in his childhood home, now with his own family, and he can't himself quite make sense of the alleged abduction more than 50 years ago, but has since accepted it. We have a perception of our earth. We have a perception of what humanity is. I just happen to see things that most people haven't seen, he said. I came forward to help people, and I'm not surprised that some of the stuff is going on now, he said, referring to the recent interest in UAPs. There are recorded accounts of the 1969 sighting in local historical societies like Great Barrington's and the Pittsfield Library, but Andrea Maiden, Berkshire Historical Society site supervisor, said while the event is in their records, recent museum goers aren't asking about the alleged sighting. Instead, there's greater interest in the rich history of writers who have passed through western Massachusetts from the 1700s to 1900s. We're located in Arrowhead, which is where Herman Millville wrote Moby Dick, so we've, we're going to have a lot of things about writers in the area, Mad said. Now that you're asking, I wish that more people asked too, she said. I mean, I have seen the episode of Unsolved Mysteries a bunch of times. But Harvard professor and astrophysicist Avi Loeb said, we need to be careful of human accounts like Warner's and even those who testified in their congressional hearing. So all these stories should be intriguing and motivating to do scientific work, but they are no substitute to that. And we shouldn't believe them until we have scientific evidence, he said. Loeb has been researching the possibility of interstellar objects in space as the head of the Galileo Project, a group combining astronomers, physicists, and mathematicians, and search for what lies above our skies, he has reason to believe there could be scientific evidence of alien civilizations. Then it goes on here. It's got a picture of Loeb. <laughs> also got a picture of Charles Hoskinson from uh, Cardano, the guy that funded this thing. It's interesting. This June, Loeb led a two-week privately funded expedition off the coast of Papua New Guinea, where they recovered remnants from a 2014 fireball that landed in the Pacific Ocean. Then it goes on and talks about that a little bit. I won't go over all that. We've talked about that and done a, a podcast on it, actually. It finishes up here. It says, Great Barrington's Warner still reckons with what he said happened to him all those years ago. He welcomes the attention on the issue, but he worries that with climate change, oh boy, humanity might not be around long enough to actually solve the problem. Now, I'm going to get in my soapbox a little bit here. And, you know, I've talked about this before, this whole thing with climate change. I've had a big problem with the evidence, people putting up, you know, thermometers and parking lots and airport tarmacs. We have we have huge, huge um, environmental issues in, on this planet. I think probably the biggest one is plastic pollution and maybe nuclear waste. I mean, right now we have all the stuff being dumped out of the reactors in Fukushima. So there's lots and lots of stuff that needs to be addressed, I think, um, climate-wise and environment-wise in this planet. And I'm, I'm just concerned that climate change is a just a huge uh, distraction to people just picking up their trash and not letting it wash into the ocean. That would be a start. The congressional hearings, it says, it's one giant step, he said, but it's just one step and a marathon, and this marathon is a long haul. Okay, the congressional hearings, much like climate change, I think are mostly a distraction. At best, a limited hangout. More important to get these accounts. I'm glad that we we're able to get this guy's account. This was kind of a, it's a hard uh, UFO incident to happen because, you know, the, the the facts in it have been kind of a little obtuse over the years. I mean, anywhere from 40 to 250 people having seen this thing, multiple people having 
experience, having experienced uh, being taken on board this, this craft and then coming back and saying, well, we weren't abducted. It, it, to me, it just goes to show the uh, emotional and mental effect that these things can have on people. And I see that in the backdrop of uh, a lot of people being, uh, their, first, their first response to this being anger. Uh, you, you notice this sometimes that people are uh, faced with cognitive dissonance. I mean, they have a certain way of seeing things. And then when something uh, shows up that they don't think should be in the picture, they tend not to ask questions or accept it or just compartmentalize it or just say, well, I'll think about that. Maybe I'll have an answer later. But they tend to become a little panic stricken, very angry, explode, name calling, you know, conspiracy theorist. And that's not helpful. So I guess what I'm looking at when I look at these stories is, is, you know, the best way to approach these things logically. First and foremost, let the person that saw them, the experiencer, let them have their story. If they feel like they were abducted, then they were abducted. If they feel like they were just uh, taken on this thing randomly, this craft or whatever, then let them own that experience in whatever way that they own it. And listen to them and hear them out and make up your own mind. But we can do this without the name calling and without the debunking and without, without all the sideshows. Overall, very, very cool case. I recommend you take a look at the Berkshire uh, UFO case from 1969. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.